hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin West. To order or download additional resources, please visit kevinwest.org. Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration, this is in John, John chapter 12. Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from, the, from Bethesda in Galilee. They said, sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it. Isn't that how some of us are? Somebody come up to you and say, hey, I want to know all about Jesus. Can you introduce me to Jesus? I want to get saved. You go, hang on, let me go get somebody a little bit more qualified than me. Isn't that how we are sometimes? We're a little concerned. Hey, I don't know that I can answer this quickly or better, but I can introduce you to somebody. We do it with pastors all the time. People bring them to me, and you're very qualified to lead them to the Lord, but they bring them to me so I can lead them to the Lord. I enjoy doing it, but you're more than qualified as well. You don't have to have me to show Jesus to somebody, introduce somebody to Jesus, okay? So Bethesda in Galilee, they said, sir, we want to be Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they went to ask Jesus together. So Jesus replied, now watch this. Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. Now watch this. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels. A plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Jesus says, now my soul is troubled, deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Then a voice from heaven spoke, saying, I have already brought glory to my name, and I'll do it again. When the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder, while others declared it was an angel that spoke to him. Then Jesus told them, the voice was for your benefit, it wasn't for mine. The time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I'll draw everyone to myself. He said this to indicate how he was going to die, not how he was going to be praised, but how he was going to die. The crowd responded, we understood from scripture that the Messiah would live forever. How can you say the son of man will die? Just who is the son of man anyway? Jesus replied, my light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can so that the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in darkness cannot see where they're going. Put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of the light. After this things, Jesus went away and hid himself from all the people. Now I want you, I want to put this in perspective. Jesus had just raised Lazarus from the dead. Just performed an incredible miracle. Brought Lazarus back from the dead. Brought him out of a grave. Said, Lazarus, come forth. The stone was rolled away. Lazarus comes walking out. He's all bound up with grave clothes. They unravel him. He's alive. The very next chapter or passage of scripture, he's sitting at a dinner table eating with, with Jesus. The man that was dead, that was dead for four days, is now alive sitting at a table with Jesus. Now I want you to think about this. This created a real havoc in society because it defied everything that was going on around the people. 
How could this man, Jesus, that made himself equal with God, that said he was the son of God, how could this man go and just speak to a dead man that was in a grave and bring him forth and this man have life? So he had people that were going, I don't understand this. Then he had other people that were saying, who does he think he is trying to do what God did? So there was this major division that was happening right down the middle of the entire city, region. There was people on one side that were happy about it and amazed that the other people were upset about it and questioned everything, mocked it, and wanted to know really what was really going on. So Jesus had this division that was happening. So when Jesus says to himself, he goes, guys, I did not come to bring just what you think I came to bring. I came to bring division. Now this is gonna sound crazy because a house divided against itself can't stand. But what he's saying is, I come to bring division. I come to divide the light from the darkness. I come to divide very clearly the revelatory illuminated ability to see in God's spiritual kingdom from those that are aimlessly blind, walking in all their head knowledge, but have no understanding of how this thing really works. I've come to divide it. The light will get lighter. The dark will get darker. That means revelation will compound revelation but ignorance continues to compound ignorance. The word darkness means ignorance in the scripture, obscurity, you can't see. So when, when, when they come to Jesus at the end, they said, Jesus, we cast out devils in your name. We, 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 we did all this, we fed the poor, we did all this wonderful works of miracles. And he said, depart from me, I never knew you, you, you workers of iniquity. He, and he cast them out into outer darkness. Did he cast them out into hell? No, they were cast out into Ignorance, and even more ignorance. See, when you're blind and you're trying to figure out life's journey and you haven't an understanding of how God does what God does. See, Moses knew his, his, his ways, but the children of Israel knew his actions. People that are blind, and when I say blind, I'm talking about people that are living by their own intellectual knowledge of God. People that don't know his ways they can see how he does things because they see the end result. But God wants you to know how he thinks, his, 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 his operation. So when you're walking with him and you're, you're, you're living life with him and something happens in your life that deals you a blow, you don't get caught up off of it and say, oh my Lord, what in the world are you doing, the Lord, God? He's saying, no, 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 no. If you understand how I work, you understand how I think, then you begin to see and anticipate the expectation of the process will really work for you and not against you. You won't try to stop the process. See, when we're in ignorance over here, we're constantly in darkness trying to figure out how this thing works. So we're constantly trying to help God along. Well, Lord, Lord I, I really, I see it. It just makes logical sense to, to do this. But yeah, I understand that. But I, how in the world could she leave me and, and, and it's over and I'm standing here and somehow I've got to do something to fix all that problems that I have because I probably created the problem to begin with. And the Lord is saying, if you walk in darkness and ignorance, good luck to you. Try to figure out how to make it all right. Try to, try to go and circumvent the process. Try to, but if you know how I work and you walk in the light, you'll see that through that process 
and the revelatory light that comes off in your mind, you'll see my ways and things will begin to turn because you won't be moved by the outcome of the process. You'll be moved of how I think while you're going through that process. That helping anybody? Because here's how it works. I'm going to give you a principle, he says. I just brought a guy out of the, the grave. And he looks and he says, unless a grain of corn, a kernel of corn, dies, falls to the ground and lives alone, it can never be brought forth and bring forth more fruit. Many kernels. So what we do is we spend most of our life trying to avoid the death, thinking it's a loss. But if we would realize the Lord is doing some things that is not a loss, it's actually an investment. So if you can see a seed, a seed is never a death in a loss. A seed is always a death in an investment. Right? Okay. You're, you're, you're in a situation with your kids and you can't stop it. It's, it's out of control and you're going, my God, I, I want to fix this. And it just keeps getting worse. It gets worse. It gets worse. If you want to stop the death from happening, oh, this is powerful. If you get this, this is light. I'll show you darkness in just a minute. If you want to stop the death, the process, if you will shift in your mind, instead of seeing it as a death to the end and see that as a seed to invest in the ground, you'll see the harvest after that death. But if you're trying to avoid the death, you'll resuscitate your seed that's supposed to be invested in the ground. You'll keep it on life support when it should have already died. You don't want her and him to go through that mess because you know the pain that it's going to go through it. Oh my God, you don't want them to go through. So you're, as a parent, you sit around and worry and you're doing everything. You're throwing money at it, time at it, effort at it, encouragement at it. You're doing everything. All the while, it, you, you're smart enough to stop it, but you can't stop it. That tells me that somewhere inside of our mind, we have to shift that it's not a death, a seed unto death. It's a seed unto life. And you have to shift in your mind saying, I no longer is it being stolen from me. I'm now going to invest it so it hurries up and dies so it can resurrect. Some of you are trying to keep your marriage on life support when you ought to go ahead and sow the marriage into death so it can resurrect. How do you do that? In your heart. It's not some action that you got to do out here and go, I'm going to... I'm going to write a check as your seed. I'll tell you the best seed you have is the marriage. It's better than a check. Husband and wife, falling, marriage falling apart. Life is just, God, what do I do? I can't get him to change. I can't get him to change. I'm just going to turn him over to the Lord. If you turn him over to the Lord, you're saying, I'm going to take this, invest it, and let it die into the ground. Because I know it's going to resurrect. It has to, right? But the longer you try to keep it from dying, you're decaying. Your mind is weary. Your heart is heart heavy and torn. And you're going, my God, 
So what we do is over here in darkness, we spend all of our time trying to manage the death process. Peter, who, Jesus said, who, who do men say that I am? Who, who, what's everybody saying about me out there? And the Bible says that, the, that, that they said, as a collective group said, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah, Jeremiah, John, one of the prophets. And he said, huh, okay. I know what they think now, but you're my 12. Who do you say that I am? Peter speaks up and says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Whoa, Peter, that's revelation. That wasn't, that wasn't just, I imagine that. Jesus says, Peter, that didn't come from you, bud. That didn't come from teaching either. You didn't get that out of the Bible bookstore. That did not come from there. That came from a direct deposit from heaven, which means you have revelation, which the light came to you. The rest of those people are in darkness because they don't know who I am. But because you said I'm the Christ, the son of the living God, revelation, illumination has opened up to you. You now know who I am by revelation. Peter, that come from heaven. That's deep into your heart. Don't ever lose that. He said, oh gosh, this is wonderful. He said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom with that revelation. With the light comes the keys into every aspect of life. It comes into financial, from health, from relationships, to career, to destiny. Every aspect of your life, raising children, every aspect of revelation comes with keys. When you have understanding and illumination of the revelation of how God works, the light of how he thinks, you won't be intimidated when life throws you a blow. You'll see if it's an investment that you have to make or are you rebuking the devil on something God is doing? And let me tell you how it works. He goes, this is incredible. Peter's going, my God, I got the keys to the kingdom of God here. Peter's, Jesus, Peter, man, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. But this came from heaven, from the spirit. You are able to see deep into the things of God. Peter went, wow, man, this is great. I'm giving you the keys. keys. The keys to all aspects of life. Peter, they belong to you. Peter's pumped up, right? Next verse. But I've got to go and I'm going to die and be dead for three days. The temple's going to be destroyed. I'm going to die a real rough death. Peter says, oh, no, you won't. You're not dying. You go to death, I'm going to death. I'm going with you. Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, you just had light given to you from heaven. And now all of a sudden you choose to operate in darkness. I just told you who I was. The father just said, I'm, you're, the, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. You're, you're, you're the one that's going to set up the kingdom of the entire world. You're the, you're the guy. And all of a sudden you so quickly forget when I tell you that I have to die and be resurrected, you want to stop and abort the process? Why, why would you try to stop me, Peter? Then he says, get behind me, Satan. Satan is the prince of the world in the, that has blinded our eyes to see how God really works. I had a guy come to me one time and he said, man, I, I got to get my son saved. Man, he is, he's, he's out dealing drugs. He's on drugs. He's a mess. He's been that way for years. I got to get him saved. And this is a, a newly Christ, new converted Christian. He said, I got to get him saved. I said, well, let's pray. God's going to save him. So we prayed. He comes back to me the next day. He says, oh my God, 
We prayed. He said, my son just got locked up. They just arrested him this morning. He said, he's looking at 10 years in prison. I said, well, praise the Lord. He said, well, it's easy for you to say. It's not your boy. I said, wait a minute. Anybody hear what I'm saying? No, I don't hear 10 years. I hear lockup as a seed being invested to die in the ground. What you see is, oh my God, it's going a different direction than I thought. It goes with Michael's word this morning. It go, what you're seeing, I got, a, I got a route that I have for him that's painless. And I want it to be just, just easy and I want it to be smooth. Why? So he can see the goodness of God. I've never seen anyone see the goodness of God that has not experienced the process of death. Ever. They can talk about it, but can you show me? I don't want to hear about your scars. I want to see your scars. I don't want to hear how good you are, how good God is to you. Tell me. Tell me when it wasn't going to work out and you were praying and it was still with the opposite direction and somehow God still brought you out of that. Tell me how the marriage didn't work out and you end up getting a divorce even though you thought it was going to work out and God brought somebody else in your life and now you got peace and happiness and, and, and you're, you're happy today and you're going, oh God, and you held on to it for years and years and years. Tell, t- show me Jesus in your life through the scars. I don't care to see your crowns. I got to know. I got to be able to relate to I'll never follow somebody <laughs> that, has, that can tell me the chapter and verse, but can't tell me the year and the month it happened to them. Right? Oh, I'm preaching today. Because Jesus says, listen, I just raised Lazarus from the dead. If you're not careful, these two groups of people, you'll get so caught up in me raising Lazarus from the dead, you'll think nothing ever bad happens. You'll see everything as a gain and nothing as a loss. But I'm telling you, if you see it as a loss... You have to turn it into it becoming a game. And it's always a matter of your, what happens to you. I've never, I've, I've seen it. You lose a job. You lose a, a career, an identity that you have in your career. The minute it becomes your God is the minute the Lord changes it. And the more you try to hold on to it, he strips you of your pride. Then he brings you something else in your life. And then you go, oh my God, you mean I've been holding on to that for five years. I'd have been free five years ago if I had not been holding on to that thing. I've been worried, laying right, sleeping. <laughs> I, I watched a woman one time pray for her husband for 15 years to get saved. She put Joyce Meyer magazines everywhere, turned the television on TV and hoping he would turn it on, put him in the bathroom, and every time the guy would go to the bathroom, there'd be children, or Christian books all over the place. Now, this guy was a smart fella. And she said, I've got him surrounded by it. I said, yes, but he's going to leave you. She said, I don't see how you can say that. I pray, I fast, and I said... Can you just give your marriage to the Lord? I've given it to the Lord. I said, no, you've given it to what you say the Lord is. Can you give it to the Lord, expect him, and what if he never changes? Whoa. Oh, God, we're growing up. See, because in the midst of a bunch of great stuff happening... You'll, if you're not careful, you'll see the you, you, enemy will bring stuff at you to take you out and take you down. And if you see that, it's going to knock you off your feet. You will, sm- 
you get worried and depressed and everything else. But if you see that as, oh, I see, you're sending the vehicle that's going to be my seed that I get to invest into the ground so I can get resurrected over here. So the guy says, he's looking at 10 years. I don't know. He, he, looks, he said this. He said, I don't know what kind of God you're serving. I said, well, let me tell you the kind of God I serve. He will not rapture you out of your problems, but he will appear in all the glory at the end of them. He won't stop you from dying, but they can't stop you from resurrecting. They can't stop the bad report. And if God chooses not to heal you before you go through your process, guess what? The process has to spit you out. The process is the whale if you become Jonah. If you look at God and say, oh Lord, I just see your ways here. It looks like it's falling apart. The minute you smell, you're dying. And what I mean by dying, the minute you smell it's falling apart and you can't fix it. Wrap that thing up as a seed and say, I'm no longer holding on to it because it's not bread for me to eat because I can't eat it right now, it tastes too bad. But it must have a seed in it somewhere. So take the problem, take the decay, take the mess, take, take how bad it feels, wrap it up and say, God, I'm sowing this into the ground so it can die alone. And when it dies, it bides alone, it lives alone, and all of a sudden, it begins to come up out of there and reappear in my life in ways that you can't explain. I had a couple in my office years ago and uh, he was done with the marriage. He was finished. And they had one daughter, I think at the time. He was finished. She was, he, they, they went to church, lived out of the area, and he was finished. He had had enough. She was a real strict girl growing up in a Pentecostal background, really strict. He, he had joined the church with him and you know, learned the, the, the rules and the ways of the church. Uh, and a good guy, but he was just done. Can't do, I'm not doing this, so I can't take it. I can't, I can't measure up to her. Every time I turn around, I gotta measure up to her. I gotta measure up. She's got this expectation of me and I can't measure up. So it went on for months and months and months, if not years. Finally, she says, I'm, I'm done. He says, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. She said, well, let me, can you just give me one meeting with, with a, a pastor? And I grew up with this girl's family and um, I hadn't heard from him, seen him in years. So I get this phone call. She says, I just want you, to, want you to bring him, me and my husband are coming in. He's finished. I'm not. I, 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 just, I just want you to save our marriage. I said, oh, I can do it. She said, you, you can save the marriage? I said, oh God, I promise you. I can save your marriage. I said, she said, really? I said, oh God, I said, I'm a miracle worker. And she said, for real? I said, oh gosh, you, you just come. I said, but you gotta trust me. She said, well, if you're a miracle worker and you can save my marriage, yeah, I'm coming. I said, okay, but you gotta trust me. 
So she comes in with her and her husband. He's sitting there, his arms folded, legs crossed. He didn't want to be there. He's doing this for her. And um, I was uh, getting ready to, you know, start talking to him. And all of a sudden I said, uh, she was a worship leader at, at, a, at a place away off from here. Wasn't a worship leader. She was in the worship team, but she kind of, worship was her thing. She kind of had a bend towards worship. So I said, okay, um, when we're in the presence of the Lord in the church service, I said, you guys like to camp out in the presence of God. She said, oh yeah, I love the presence. I said, well, I'm gonna just gonna take this hour that we're gonna be here today. And I'm just gonna keep playing music. Is that okay? And she went, no, I, I've got to have, I said, what? She said, I've got to have the word. She said, we got, we got to have something that, I said, well, worship will do it. She said, no, I, I, I've done all that. So what have you done? She said, I worship all over my house. I said, oh, okay. I said, so do you worship? And he's got his arms folded. He said, I watch her worship. And I thought, oh, this is going to get better. I know it's getting good now because he getting, he mad being there and I'm stalling and I'm taking his time. And, uh, she said, I just, I just can't, I just, I just can't. I said, well, I'll tell you what, we won't sing songs. I said, um, we won't do worship. I said, but so, so what, what exactly do you want? And he says, I'm done. I mean, he's got very bold. And uh, she, he said, uh, I'm finished. She said, and I want to save it. I've got a, we got a daughter. I, this can't end like this. It just can't. And she, and she starts crying, almost hyperventilating. It was just that emotional. And he says, and, he, and he's not moved by her tears. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this guy's, he's hard. So I sit back in my chair and I said, okay. I said, listen, I'm going to invite God in the middle of your marriage. And he said, God's been in our marriage. I said, no, not, not like this. And he said, what do you mean? I said, you and care if I invite the Lord over the next seven days in your marriage. I mean, I'm talking about in your marriage. I'm talking about every aspect of your marriage, in your life. From the time you get up, time you go to bed, even in the middle of the night. He, he just rolled his eyes and said, yeah, okay, that'd be good. I said, no, I'm serious. I said, because he, he and I are tight. I said, me and God are like this. And he got real close. He said, what do you mean you're God like this? I said, oh no. I said, we're, we're tight. We're close. I got his direct line. Now he's leaning into my chair. And he's going, what do you mean you got his direct line? I said, I pray too. I said, no, you don't understand. He, he hears me. He, he, will, he will do and move when I ask him to do this. I said, I'm going to invite him into your life in the next seven days. He says, well, what's he going to do? I said, he's going to ruin it. He's going to wreck your life. And she's going, oh, we don't want him to wreck our life. I said, well, wait a minute. I said, Are you, you, want me to, you want me to fix it the way you have it prescribed? Or do you want it how he has it prescribed? And she went, and that was a tough question. Because she said, I don't, I don't really know. What's, it gonna, what's he going to do? And I said, he's going to kill it. He's going to kill the marriage that you have so he can bring you back a brand new one. She said, he's going he's to kill I said, oh, he's not going to kill it. He's going to massacre it. I said, listen, he's, it's going to be, it's, it's going to get ugly. And she went, I, I just don't know. I said, are you wanting the end result or do you want to control the process? That's what it boiled down to. Now, he, in the meantime, was intrigued by how did I know God? How do you, how do you know he's going to, I said, listen, and I started rattling him off. I said, man, I've seen him do some crazy stuff. I said, I've seen him bring people up out of the deathbed. I've seen tumors leave people's necks. 
I've, I've cast out devils and watched them vomit all over themselves. I said, I've watched babies that shouldn't be living now are adults and have kids. And I start naming all this stuff. I've done, and I started naming some of my stuff. I said, let me show you some of my scars. Let me tell you how this really works. I said, I'm not telling you other people's testimony. Let me tell you mine. And man, he starts, I saw it. It cracked. He went in there and the Lord spoke to me so clearly and said, the only life you can give is what you're living. You can't give theory. You can't give doctrine. You give life. And you can't give life unless you've experienced life. And let me give you the, 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 the process of God's life. You die to live. You serve to lead. You go last to be first. And it can't be a manipulation tool either. You've got to, in your heart, release it to the Lord and let him build it, kill it, raise it, whatever he's going to do. But I promise you at the end of the result, it'll be better than what you could have pictured if you'd have picked you sit down and wrote it yourself. When we, as a body of believers, get a hold of the light of God, of how he functions in the earth, the revelation, the illumination, the ways of God, the thoughts of God are this. He gives you those desires of your heart. You surrender those desires of your heart to him to do the how. I don't know how you're going to do it, God, but you will. As you're going through the how process, this is so revelational. As you're going through the how process, it's okay to follow after what you're feeling. But when after time and time again, you are struggling and straining, trying to fit a round hole with a square peg to go through it, it's time to look at shifting of preserving something that's not working and to go ahead and give it to God to, to sow it as seed so you can hurry up and get the experience of the death which follows after the life, before the life. I'm gonna give you three examples real quick. If you've got a marriage that's not where it needs to be and you don't, you don't know what to do with it, I want you to check your heart and then I want you to give that to the Lord and I want you to bring it, not today, to the altar here, to the altar of the heart, bring it to God. And I want you to say, God, here it is. Here's my marriage. He's going to look at you and say, I know it's your heart's desire for that marriage to be saved. It is. But you got to be willing to lay it at the altar in case he doesn't save it. That's the only time it's true seed. I used to do my tithe that way. I was taught to do my tithe that way, an offering. I put it on the offering and I'm calling God out for my seed and my offering. I've learned I'm giving it to him out of relationship. If it never comes back to me, I'm still giving it to him. I did it with a business investment that I had. There was one business I tried to save and do everything I could and work myself into a frenzy of trying to save it, to try to protect relationships. It went south. 
And I did everything I could. And finally, I did all I could. Another one over here, I did all I could do. And I realized I am not repeating that one again. And I finally just said, okay, God, here it is. Boom. Whether you kill it and it dies and splatters all over the ground, it's going to lay there. But if it lays there, you're gonna have to resurrect it because I am not putting my fingers on this thing to manipulate it, work it, worry it, and fret over it. Do something with it, it's yours. And I gave that to him. And I've watched how it completely resurrected. All of a sudden, boom, what, how'd that happen? And I'd like to think it was some smart business strategy, but it has nothing more than I let it die so it could be resurrected. You can fight, scrape, scrap, maneuver, all of that. And, you're, and, and the Lord may have you doing all of that kind of thing. But unless you have it in your heart that I'm giving it to him in seed form, and seed form has to go into the ground. And when it goes into the ground, it dies, abiding alone, living alone. And then in the course of time, it comes back out. And you begin to see all the fruit of that relationship. <laughs> this is powerful stuff to me. I have watched this and I've lived it. There's not been one goosebump I've ever gotten in a church service that changed my situation. But I have a lot of goosebumps and I like them. I'll still go after goosebumps. There's not one dance that I've ever done in church or at home. Man, I told this before, half of you are new, so you, there was a time that I was headed to a place I didn't want to go. And the Lord told me to, if you really don't, I want you to praise me. So I took off, don't get a visual of this, but I stripped my clothes off. Nobody was at the house and I danced and I flipped and the Lord said, flip, I flipped. I think it was just for his entertainment. And I got back up and I honest to God thought that I was obedient to the Lord of that it was gonna help me from not having to go through the process that I felt like I was going to end up going through. So I was being obedient to avoid death. I wasn't being obedient unto death. God. I still went through the process. And I laugh about the flip because I wouldn't change the process that I went through for anything I've been to. I've gone to High University, Marshall University, Louisville, Oklahoma University. I've gone to all those, I've got extensive training in my, 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 my business and, and banking background, extensive. What I learned in eight months of a process was more than seven or eight years of formal education. I thank God for the formal education. It was a great background, a great foundation to build on. But over here, huh, wouldn't trade it for the world. Why? Because I learned and I'm learning and being reminded of that process is my prize. People that are in darkness, we call it sin. I'll tell you people that are in darkness or in outer darkness or cast out into outer darkness. I'm talking about in this life. 
are people that don't know his ways and are trying to figure out life by managing all of its dysfunction. Trying to be obedient and doing the right thing with great intentions. But the Lord's ways are higher and his thoughts are above our thoughts. Doesn't mean they're better. They're just higher and above. You see the difference? I always think, well, he's just smarter. Yeah, he's smarter, but that's not what he's saying. My thoughts are above your thoughts. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are above your ways. So what he's saying is, don't stay down there to keep your ways and thoughts. Come up here and see my ways and thoughts. And my ways and thoughts are this way. You've got dreams that I placed in there because I've given you the desires. I want you to hold on to those dreams. I want you to hold on to that destiny. I want you to hold on to that Mary's, those children. I want you to hold on to it. But I want you to trust me in the process. And the minute you can't control the circumstances, I want you to quit saying it's the devil trying to steal it from you. Turn that into a seed and sow it into the ground. Give that to me and let me kill it so I can resurrect it. Sometimes I'll not ever kill it. I'll just resurrect it and remind you how good I am and let, let you're obedient all the way up to the Isaac. Sometimes I don't have to kill it. I just want to know that you're willing to let it be killed. Peter, you can't stop me unto death. Jesus said in John chapter, this is why I came. I came to die so the seed could go into the ground and I could, the kernel would be there and I would be resurrected and then I would be able to see all of the seeds and my fruit from one man's death. Through one man's sin in the garden, everybody became ignorant. Through one man's obedience unto death, all men now have the ability to see the light. So he said, see the light now, because I'm going to be with you a while. But after I go, you're going to have to learn to live by this. And now the world will be in darkness, but you're the light. So your light has to be what my light is. Your representation and your ways have to be higher than their ways. Your thoughts have to be higher than their thoughts. And I will supernaturally bring things into your life that you can't count, you can't imagine, you can't dream up. You're not even smart enough to think of it. I'll bring stuff into your life. I'll shake you down with so much good in your life that you will blow your mind if you learn to walk in the light. What do we say to people walking in the light? You just do what's right. Live holy, no sin. I'm telling you, it's, there's a place beyond sin and holiness. It's in revelation, and then there's one in darkness. Stand your feet with me, if you don't mind. You know how I know this is anointed? Because it's 1230. And I didn't look at my clock. The Lord just knew it was time. Honest to God, I can tell you, when I feel that the presence of the Lord moving strong, I just know. And I go, it's 1245. There's a good chance there's a lot of me in it. Just for you all to know for future reference. Okay. I'm going to do this.
It's your family. It's your business. It's your, your children. It might be your destiny. What is it? And there's, there's more than three. There's multiple. I, I'm going to continue on this path because I still did not get into the place where the devil is working for God and he just doesn't know it. We'll go there hopefully next week. And then once you know that, you realize that he, even if he crucifies you, it's still your victory. David was back behind with sheep. He came bringing cheese and wine and stuff to his brothers and bread when his brothers were fighting the war in Israel. David looks out and he sees this Philistine, Goliath, the giant. And the giant's going, taunting Israel for 40 days. David said, who is this uncircumcised, who is this uncoveted Philistine? Who is this guy? And they're all scared of him. David said, I'll come. So Goliath and David square off. David came to Goliath's field and beat him in his own territory. That's why Jesus had to come. Jesus comes to the earth while the enemy, the devil, was taunting us for 4,000 years. So Jesus comes with bread and wine and he comes to the earth and says, oh, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? The devil. I've come to destroy the works of the devil. So as David beat Goliath in his own field, he took his head off, beheaded him, his authority. Jesus comes to the earth, defeats the devil in his own field, and beheads his authority. That's a pattern. The devil and the enemy will taunt you in your life. But you're going to have to let the process work for you. Because in the process is where you can behead him and all his authority. And how do you do it? Unless a seed gets planted in the ground and dies. Unless you're willing to lay it all down. You'll never see the fullness of what it is. It's never, a, it's never obedience to avoid death. It's obedience unto death. You have to take away that today. So Father, in Jesus' name, we've got people all over the sanctuary and people all over this city. There'll be churches that are dismissing and have already dismissed even for Sunday all over the world. And countless of your people, of your sheep, will walk out the door after being in the presence of the Lord and hearing messages and sermons and edification and encouragement. They'll walk out into their, their life again. They'll walk out into their jobs that they don't really care for and the careers that have changed and life that circumstances that are, they didn't even ask for have been, just dealt them a, a, a setback and they've got worry and they've got fret. How are we gonna pay the bills? How's this all gonna work? And do I gotta work harder? What I've, what I've got? And there's just a lot of this, just the kids and what do we, what do, we do? How does this work? And this pressures of life after coming in and getting encouraged. And God, for decades, we have come in our services and had been encouraged to endure more of the darkness. 
I dispel that in Jesus' name right now. And I say let the illumination of the revelation of the light of Christ be the sparkle and the twinkle in our eye that allows us to see through a lens and through a, a, a way, an eye that sees life different than the world sees the light. Help us, God. Help us to see it. Give us the courage to know when to lay it down and when to tuggle with it. When to sow it, when to eat it. When to hang on and when to let go. When to fight and when to surrender. When to wrestle, when to tap out. Oh God, help us to see it all. Make it clear. There is no cut and dry light. There's only a ray of light that goes through the spectrum of all of our life. So Father, you can only speak through people that have your spirit. So all those people that have an ear to hear, let them hear what the spirit is saying today. I bless them. I bless them as they go and let the light of Christ rule and reign and be the glean of their eye every step of the way in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you all.